Hi, my name is Karina Finley, and I'm the team lead of the House of Grace Pregnancy Centre. I live in Nanaimo, and I've been on Vancouver Island since 2006, and I'm so happy to be a part of the Cowichan Valley. As a young woman, I had my own experience with an unexpected pregnancy. I was living a life that was uh, not stable and was going in all kinds of directions. When I made my visit to the doctor's office, the only option that was given to me was abortion. So many years later, I met the Lord and became born again. And it was at that time that he was able to show me that he was in charge of life and not I, and that only he had the right to take life away. And from there, my journey of healing began. He then showed me his plan of redemption, and I was able to follow along with him as he began to heal my heart. I began to volunteer at a crisis pregnancy center, and from there, I became the person that had the, or the hands and the feet that were able to help women in their time of crisis and give them a voice of hope um, when they had seemingly no other options. And it was at that time that I knew that God was redeeming what had happened in my own life through this process of going and helping at this crisis pregnancy center. It is out of this need and my own experience that the House of Grace was born today. And we are able to offer a holistic approach for these women that cares for their whole being, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, social, economic, um, whatever is going on in their lives. We want to be able to help them along at the House of Grace. It was in 2017 that the Lord put on my heart uh, to begin praying into a pregnancy center. And since then, so many things have happened. About a year ago, I asked a group of women to come and to pray with me that were in the Cowichan Valley about this idea of opening up a center. And a few women, we gathered together, our first meeting via Zoom was in the middle of everything, and we get, began to pray and ask the Lord what He wanted for a center in Duncan. Since then, a year later, so many things have happened. We have a whole new group of ladies. Some of the ladies that started with us have continued this whole year. But we have a wonderful group of women that uh, are with us today that have made what and where we are um, with the Centre. So about in November, um, somebody asked me if I wanted to take a tour of a space that was available in Duncan. When we walked through the space, we thought, yes, this is good, but it needs some uh, help, but uh, we will certainly consider it. And then from there, um, the engineering firm that was in here, um, we asked them if they would consider helping us out with the rent. And uh, they were very gracious, and they offered us six months worth of free rent and thousands upon thousands of dollars worth of renovations. So as we took that to prayer, we knew that the Lord was directing us, that it was time to put our feet on the ground and begin believing for this uh, dream that began in 2017. In January, there were a few new women that were added to us, which has 
given us a group of approximately 13 women now who are feet on the ground and have helped to make all of this come to pass. And what uh, we looked at originally in November as far as the space was concerned and what we have today are seemingly two different things. It's a delightful space. We're so excited. The renovations are beautiful. The paint color is beautiful. And the Lord is just supplying us with everything that we need in the space. And the women and myself, we are just a team. We have the Lord's heart. And uh, we are so excited to be able to be opening up in April and potentially having clients uh, the beginning of April um, for those who want to come here and have been, their lives have been impacted by an unexpected pregnancy. And what's really interesting about this, as the Lord has opened up the door, we have really not had to drag anything along. We have just found ourselves running and keeping up with Him. So we know that He's for life, and so we're so excited. He's opening up the doors for everything for us. All of this came together very quickly, much faster than we thought. And we have a lot of practical things that have come alongside and been furnished to us. But in order for us to be able to open our doors, April 4th, we have a financial need. And so we would ask that you would consider before the Lord uh, partnering with us and um, so that we are able to open our doors the beginning of April. And if, in fact, you want to donate finances, if you want to donate baby clothes, if you want to donate additional furniture that we need, computers, um, phone lines, all of these things, as we know, cost money. And we would just ask that you would ask the Lord how he would have you come alongside of us. Thank you. Good morning, New Life. Uh, my name is Scott Hemingway, and I am the interim lead pastor here. And I've asked, uh, it'll just, it's on. It's on. I've asked uh, Karina to join me on stage because I wanted not just to have somebody up here, but uh, for you to see her and just talk a little bit more uh, to her and with her about what is happening uh, in that ministry. And we talk as a church about being in, for, and with our community, and this is part of being for and with our community in what is happening with uh, the ministry here. So, Karina, how is, it, how is this being received in, in the community at large uh, right now? You've, you've talked to some pastors? Yes. Um, thank you for having me here this morning. And the um, ministerial, the churches in the Cowichan Valley, of course, are giving us open arms and since the beginning have just um, said yes and amen to everything that we've come forward with. So we have great support in the community. Good. You know, over the years, I have uh, been part of uh, pregnancy crisis centers and have engaged with them. And as you and I were talking, you, you actually brought something to my attention about maybe where we as individuals or as a church have focused um, a lot of our attention, and, and that is in one individual, but there are more than one individual at, at, uh, at risk here. So maybe share a little bit of that with us. You know, the um, issue of uh, pro 
pro-choice and pro-life has been a polarizing conversation, as we know, in society at large. And that conversation, or the polarization of that conversation, has um, crept into the church as well. And so that's just something we've recognized over the years, and the Lord has been gracious to show us that there is a third option, and it's called pro-grace. And why that is, is because we see in scripture that in fact, God values life. He values the life of the woman and he values the life of the unborn equally. Psalm 139 tells us that he knew us in our mother's womb. And that means he knew me in my mother's womb. He also knows the unborn child in my womb, which I don't have right now, but uh, <laughs> they're grown up. Uh, thankfully. Um, yes, so that conversation in the church today is really one that I want to bring to the forefront because of the polarization of this conversation and because the woman sitting in front of you is um, fearfully and wonderfully made and she is interconnected with her baby and what happens to her happens to her child and what happens to her child happens to her. Yeah, I think that's really good because uh, oftentimes maybe we could see just the unborn child and have that focus, but we have here a mother and a child yes. that uh, that you're looking to care for uh, and uh, and give guidance to. Uh, yes. In, in that, so House of House of Grace. Um, if people want more information, you're going to be around here today afterwards, kind of somewhere back here, yes. a coffee bar or somewhere, and uh, for people just to come and talk to. Talk to Karina if you want more information and, and maybe how you can be more involved or how you can pray. Um, that would be really great. So, thank, thank you. Thank yes, you. I will be here. I'm here with also with Ashlyn Telford, who I understand was a part of this congregation at one time, and she's actively involved in the House of Grace. And we would love to chat with you after the service. And yes, if there's coffee, I'm here. <laughs> thank you. Dare to pick this up at the top, and it worked. But um, it's good to hear what is happening in our community and in different areas of ministry and uh, the life of our of our community and what God is doing. And just to hear that story of how how there was a vision to have this here, and then God's provision and believing that God will provide. All the way along. Well, this morning is uh, it's it's our communion Sunday, which means that together we are going to partake in communion. Where each Sunday we offer communion. If you like it, if you would like to partake and come up uh, today, it's what we get to do together. And so uh, I have to say this: some who will be watching this at home, uh, if you want to grab some something for communion, please do that now. Uh, and just wondering if anybody here didn't get a little communion cup. If you didn't get a little communion cup here, got somebody over here. Um, we just want to make sure everybody has it if you would like. That would be great. So I am, I, am uh, I, I love communion. 
I love the aspect of being able to come together and partake together. And, uh, and with that, I want to do something a little bit different, which is that from now until we take communion, <clears throat> it is all about communion. It is all about us being able to come and to engage with this little wafer and this little cup that it actually represents something very huge and big in our life and is very transforming. And as I began to think about what I was going to talk about, the one word that kept coming to my mind as I sat to ponder this this week was sacrifice and thinking about sacrifice and what does sacrifice look like and and, and, and the role that sacrifice plays when we come to engaging in communion. And as I dove into that and thought about that, um, I, I thought about another word too, which was surrender. And I thought, truly, you cannot have sacrifice without surrender. There needs to be this point of surrender in order to engage in sacrifice. So what does this look like? Well, in one aspect, surrender, I think, is this action. It's the action. And sacrifice is the effect. When you surrender, the effect is this sacrifice that takes place. Or another way to put it is that surrender is the root and sacrifice is the fruit. I don't always do this, but sometimes it just kind of works. I know it's a little cheesy. When you're preparing sometimes and you get something like that, it's like, oh, that's good. No, it's kind of cheesy. But you might remember it. You might remember it even more. That surrender is the root and sacrifice is the fruit. And so that's what I want to explore today. I want to explore what this looks like in our lives, what it looked like in the life of Jesus. So I want to give this, this point of definition of surrender. Surrender to surrender means to relinquish possession or control to another, to submit to power, authority, and control of another. It's really saying, I'm going to follow somebody else's agenda and not mine. That's what it means. I'm going to follow somebody else's agenda and not mine. And I want us to look at Philippians chapter 2. I would encourage you to grab your Bibles. If you have one of these physical ones, uh, if you don't, then grab your phone and, and look that up, Philippians chapter 2. And I want to read a few verses from this. And I'm going to have it up here, but the, why do I want you to look at your Bibles? Well, because of this. Because I find that there are times when I actually open up the Bible or I'm looking on my phone and I'm reading, I get distracted by the Word of God. And if you today, if you get distracted by the Word of God and you don't hear anything I have to say, that's perfectly fine with me. If you're looking at TikTok or you're looking at Instagram, that's not good. But if you get distracted by the Word of God and it draws you into something deeper, then I would encourage you to do, to do that. So let's look at these few verses here in Philippians chapter 2, 6, and we're going to look at the first part of 7. I have some glasses. So in verse 5, it actually tells us that we must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had, and then it goes through, and it says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. 
I'm going to stop right there. When I look at this and I, and I consider how does this look like sac or, or, or surrender, it's this part that he did not cling to equality with God. He surrendered his rights. He surrendered the part that he says, you know what? Because I'm part of this Godhead, I'm going to claim this. But for him to sacrifice, he actually needed to give that up. He needed to let go of that. That's why it says that he, he gave up his divine privileges. Or another version say that he emptied himself. He emptied himself. To surrender means that I will give up me. I will give up my will. Not mine, but yours, God. That's what Jesus said when he was in the garden. Those very words, he's praying. He, he's agonizing over what's going to happen to him. And he says, God, not your will, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. That is surrender. That's what it looks like to surrender. Not my will, but yours. I'm struggling, I want to have an illustration and... Um, <clears throat> I don't know if this is the best one, but I'm going to use it anyways. When I was a kid, uh, my, my good friend Kevin lived up the road. And Kevin and I would, uh, we get into these wrestling matches. And uh, Kevin was, was taller than me, but he was a year younger than me. But he was like a beanpole. His arms were like a beanpole. His legs were, they were skinny. And I was short, but I was stout. And I had a little bit more muscle mass. And we would wrestle. And as we wrestled with each other, eventually we'd get each other on the ground. And I'd, I'd flip him over. And I'd sit, on his, I'd sit on his stomach. I'd put my knees on his arms. And I'd tap him on the chest. And I would say, say, uncle. Say, uncle. And he'd squirm. And he'd try to buck me off. And I'd just tap harder. Say, uncle. And finally, he'd go, uncle. He surrendered. And then I let him up. And uh, one day, though, I tell you that uh, somewhere in there, Kevin's body and his muscles caught up with each other. And I found myself on the ground <laughs> with his knees on my arm, tapping on my chest, say, uncle. And I didn't want to. But there was something about that point of surrender when I gave up to Kevin that I had freedom. I had freedom. And surrendering to God really does mean that you and I have freedom. Which is really totally opposite of the world and what they say. You have freedom when you have economy. You have freedom when you keep your will and you do what you want. But God's economy, his world, says no. When you give up, you surrender your will, you now have freedom. We surrender, and really it becomes this root to maturity, to being effective in the ministry that God has for us. It becomes the beginning part of us being willing to sacrifice before him. So what are we, what are we surrendering? What does it look like? What does it mean to surrender? What is the aspect of we're, we're actually surrendering our agenda? And we all have agendas. You all here have agendas in your life. You might have an agenda of personal peace or happiness. You might have an agenda of comfort or prosperity or security. Agenda about your friends or your health. Or for having 
fulfilling experiences, or reaching your full potential. We all have agendas. And we need to surrender those over to God. It doesn't mean that we're not going to experience good health, or we're not going to experience peace, or happiness, or comfort, or prosperity. What it means is I'm willing, God, for my life to be yours, to do whatever you want in my life. Which means that maybe you're going to go through a period of time where it is not comfortable for you. You may go through a period of life where, where you are not as prosperous, or what you have and, and, and what you have gained, that you're actually giving it up for God to use in a way that you didn't think he was going to use at all. When I was talking to Karina, and we've been talking back and forth for quite a few months, and I asked her this question. I said, okay, so if a mom comes to you, and she's engaged, and she's talking, and she comes to the place going, you know what, I don't, I don't want to have an abortion. And I don't know if I can give my baby up for adoption, but I know I don't want to have an abortion. And yet, that's what she does. I said to her, why would she do that? Why would she make that choice? Even though morally she comes to a place, I don't want to do that. What would actually still bring her to that place? And she said this to me. Because she doesn't have a place to live. She doesn't have the support. Because maybe the boyfriend says that you, you can't stay here unless you get an abortion. Or the parents say you can't stay here with us unless you get an abortion. Now, this is me. Okay? I'm not saying anything, but this is where I went in thinking, I have an extra room. I have an extra bedroom. We have an extra bedroom. <laughs> not just me. <laughs> I might have more than one. <laughs> oh, dear. That's why she prays for me. Please let him not say something stupid today. Oh, dear. My thought. We have an extra bedroom. What would stop me? Well, I like my space. I like to come home. Our kids are gone. Come on. But if I'm surrendering everything to him, then what if that's what he's up to? What if that's what he wants? I can't make a sacrifice unless I'm willing to surrender. Let's see where I'm, I'm going here. So, look at this, is that surrender is a root because it is where we begin with God. It's where we begin with God. You know, if you're sitting here today and you have never asked Jesus Christ in your life, you never come to the place of going, I, I want to engage with him in this relationship of saying, God, here I am. You first need to surrender to him to say, okay, I don't know what this all means to follow you, but I'm willing to start, and I'm willing to start by surrendering to you. Secondly, surrender is the root because it is where we draw from a different well. It's where we come, and, and we're no longer saying, what do I want? But we're saying, God, what do you want? I surrender what I want, and I only want to do what you want. 
Well, let's look at sacrifice. Oh, I want to say this before I go there. How do we do this? Apart from the the place of coming and, and surrender our life to Jesus in that moment of salvation, how do we do this in our everyday life? Can I suggest this? Can I suggest a prayer of surrender? Regularly? Daily? Maybe it'll sound something like this. Because if we truly want to surrender, then we need to keep it before us. And if we can keep it before us on a daily basis, I think we can actually walk in that. And we would say something like this on a regular basis. Dear Lord, today, my day is yours. I surrender my plan. I surrender my will and my way before you. You are welcome to rearrange my day so that I can accomplish your agenda. Forgive me where I take over to drive my agenda. I want to be yours today. Sacrifice. Sacrifice is the ability to set oneself aside, resulting in serving God and others no matter what the cost or the outcome must be. Let's look back to the Philippians passage here. And in that that last half of seven, it says this, that he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. What does sacrifice look like? It's this point first of seeing that I am a slave. You know, that's not a very popular word to talk about slave. Some versions say servanthood or servant, and that seems a little bit easier to digest. But if I am a slave, that's a little bit harder to engage in. But that's who Jesus, that's what Jesus did. He became a slave. He became a servant. He became this person to say, God, whatever you want of my life, I will do it even to death. I think we have this picture of slave and master because of what we've experienced in our culture, in in the slave culture. But you look at God as the one who is a good master because he's an Abba father. That he knows what is best. That's why we want to give ourselves to him. As this living sacrifice. As one who is a slave. And as that, I am willing to sacrifice even if it means death. Even if it means death. Think about that. Would you? I think it's easy for me to look at these words and to say these words. I don't know. I don't know. I want to be there. Even to death. Why? Why? 
The why is the same why that Jesus had. For you. For me. For the whole world. The why is because he wants to have a relationship with you. That's why he died. That's why he was willing. Because he wants to have a relationship with you. And if my life is before him, and if my life, my death would bring salvation, would bring people, not that I can save anybody, but it would bring people to the realization that they need Jesus. Sacrifice and surrender. Wrong way. The fruit. Sacrifice is a fruit because it makes us vulnerable before God. Sacrifice is a fruit because it is where God can accomplish his plan in our lives. So, Jesus empties himself. He's vulnerable before God because he wants to accomplish God's plan. We ourselves need to find that we would be willing to surrender and sacrifice to God. Our rights, our privileges, our pleasures, our possessions, our expectations, our well-formed plans, we're willing to surrender, to sacrifice before him because that is what he did for us. 